Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Spurs Cast, episode 564. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am your host here on Spurs Cast. Today, I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Benjamin Bornstein. Ben and I will be discussing the Spurs' play in their last overtime win over the Kings, and then we're going to address a bunch of news and rumors that have been coming out about the Spurs. From there, we'll be spending a portion of the episode spotlighting Patty Moses' play so far this season. Let's dive into this episode. Ben, how are you doing today? I am great, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, how's everything going? Uh, we're still in, still in Georgia? Yes, sir. Still in Atlanta. Enjoying all the terrible winter weather so far. <laughs> yeah, it's starting to get cold here in San Antonio. All right, man, let's go ahead and begin here. Um, let's dive in. Let's go ahead and start this episode diving into this latest Spurs game since the last recorded. There's actually been just one game, which has been kind of nice, you know, for the for the personal life of not having to worry about <laughs> basketball every other night. Uh, so And then also the Spurs, you know, they're, they're able to get some practice time now, and you're seeing a lot of positivity there. Uh, so since I last recorded with uh, Steven Anderson last week, the Spurs have only played one game. Like I mentioned, they're 1-0 since that last recording. Um, they beat Sacramento in dramatic fashion, um, just like the Rockets game. They win in overtime. It looks like the Spurs are going to lose again. Again, they're down with two minutes left. They're down by nine. Uh, they make a comeback. They force overtime. A player who has got a lot of hate this year from Spurs fans is a Marco Bellinelli. Pop draws up the final play for him. He executes it well. He makes a shot with 4.1 seconds left, an open three-pointer to force overtime. And then, of course, the Spurs hold on to win. It was it was really ugly, that 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 overtime where the Spurs barely outscored Sacramento 5-4 to four to win oh, yeah. the game. That was um, so. But I mean. Uh, like, Jam- like DeMar DeRozan said after the game, you know, a win is a win. So, so you know, the Spurs walk away where... In these last two games, like I said, if, if uh, I put this on Twitter, if basketball was a 46-minute game, the Spurs would have been 0-2 coming into this, you know, this podcast uh-huh. recording. But because they, it's a 48-minute game and, they, and they, they use those extra two minutes of each of these last two games against the Rockets and against the Kings to make to mount these comebacks and force overtime, uh, they actually ended up, ended up winning. So, so I don't really want to spend too much time on this Kings game because it's already, it was already last Friday. It's been a while since they played. But I do want to talk about the Spurs overall. You know, they could have been 7-16 and 16 right now, which would be four games behind Phoenix for the eighth seed. Instead, they're 9-14 and 14 after getting those two wins, where they're actually just two games behind both OKC and Phoenix for the 7 or 8 seed. So um, w- what do you think about the Spurs just overall right now, the fact that like they're still right there in the Western Conference playoff hunt, despite how, how terrible they've played at times? That Houston and the Sacramento game were wake-up calls. At least that's what everyone is hoping. Like, you're not going to be able to win every game in overtime. You should probably try to do it in regulation once or twice. That'd be cool. But... I think they understand, all right, if we buckle down, if we actually play some defense, we can win some games. 
we, we're, you know, we're, we're getting close to figuring ourselves out. And I think we're going to talk a little bit more about this later, but with DeJounte Murray coming off minutes restriction in the next, in the next game, I think that may change things up too. We're going to see different combinations, different rotations, and we're going to see DeJounte Murray for a lot longer in games. And I think that will bode well for this team too. Yeah. And, and for me, I mean, it's just like, you, you know, it's weird because, like, as bad as they were playing at their worst times, there was all these some sort of sometimes on, on the expression of the defensive, and there was some sort of positivity in there in, in some of the numbers that that I was just like, "Hmm, they actually played well here," but then they ended up losing the game, you know. And so when it, when it was during that 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 um that multi game losing streak, you know, it, it looked like like the worst of times. And so obviously we, you know, I was putting out some lottery projections. You were starting to look at candidates there for for draft oh, players. Yeah. But um, you know, now that we're seeing that, you know, I think the Spurs have gotten kind of saved this year. The fact that the Western Conference is almost like the Eastern Conference, we could say in terms of the, the last few teams uh, like the, at the bottom of the bracket where like we literally have right now in the West two below 500 teams in the seven and eight seats. So it's literally almost like, like how the East normally looks at times. And now I, obviously I still think that like the top is obviously the, 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 some of the best in the league with the Lakers, the Clippers, those type of teams. But again, the fact that like Phoenix and OKC right now are your seven and eight seed and they're below 500. It's, it's, it's like the perfect opportunity for the Spurs to struggle this year and still have a chance to bounce back and get into the playoffs and, and uh, avoid the lottery again. I know, I know some fans are that are, that are, more pro lottery or not are not happy about that being being like a seven or eight seed again and you yeah. know, possibly losing some round one there, there's that repetition with it that they don't want to see again but again for the spurs sake in terms of what this, the type of team that they build and put put on the floor for this season they wanted to be a playoff level team and so they're, they're kind of right there again they're not they're not quite in the playoffs just yet but they can do some damage to phoenix this coming weekend when they play them in mexico city so yeah, so I mean, it, it, as as bad as it looked a few weeks ago, um, you know, they're kind of riding the ship, and and we'll see what this very favorable December to them if they can kind of get back, um, in the playoff hunt. Now, Ben, normally uh, when it comes to news and rumors, this is a lot of stuff for the summertime, but for some reason, these past few days, there's been a lot of stuff coming out uh, regarding the Spurs. I'm not used to addressing this during the season on the Spurs cast, but there has been a, a bit of news. Let's go to begin with, with uh, before we, we get into DeJounte, who's, who's on, our, who's on our, our notes here. Uh, let's begin with this Rockets thing. Uh, Steven and I discussed it last week where the Rockets protested this, uh, their, uh, their loss to the Spurs in double overtime because at the 7.50 mark of the fourth quarter, uh, James Harden dunked the ball. It came out. Um, you know, really weirdly, but the uh, the refs didn't count it overall, but then they, the refs came back and said, oh, we should have counted it, but they didn't. So they ended up losing. Well, Commissioner Stern finally weighed in, and he basically said that the Rockets had sufficient time to overcome the error. <laughs> and I agree with him there. I mean, you had well, eight commi- minutes to go Commissioner ahead. Stern would have come in much sooner. But no, not Commissioner Stern. Commissioner Silver. Silver. <laughs> yeah. My head's still stuck in the 90s, my bad. <laughs> yeah, Commissioner Silver, thank you for catching me there. <laughs> yeah, so Commissioner Silver basically says, you know, you had enough time to come back and win this game, and you, you still couldn't pull it off. I mean, they were up by 20 points. Come on, they should have they should have won. They shouldn't have been in that case. So, um, you know, I don't so, feel sorry for, for Houston. No. Um, what, were, what were your thoughts? Is that is that kind of what you expected, that the, that the league would kind of just rule that the Spurs won that game and not force them to play it again or, or give the win to Houston? There was no chance that the NBA was going to say, yeah, sure. Let's play this game over from the last 750. Or, you know what? We should have given you that bucket. And you should have won the game. There was absolutely no way that was going to happen. Because the NBA won would have been setting a bad precedent on a very weak call. And it's funny that they point that out because there was an incident with Manu Ginobili about three years ago mm-hmm. where something similar happened to him. He dunked the ball. It, it went through in a weird way, and they didn't count the bucket. But later in that game, they awarded the Spurs the two points after reviewing mm. it. So, one, the refs should have done that. Yeah. No no doubt about it. 100% mm. agree with that. They should have given them the points later after a review. 
in, in today's day and age where we, you know, the NBA reviews everything, that should have been a very easily reviewable play. And that should have been added to their points. But if you're going to go out and say that that bucket influenced the entire rest of the game, you are wrong. And if you want to play it that way, there were two incidences where Houston was given favorable no calls mm-hmm. that should have gone the Spurs way. And that would have given the Spurs four point advantage. They still would have won that game. So let's not play hypotheticals. Let's not play that game. It's not yeah. worth the time, not worth the effort. The NBA made the right call here. The Houston Rockets, like you said, should have never been in that situation. Not to mention the play after that, James Harden hits the three and they go up 16 anyway. Mm-hmm. So they were, so, yeah, so I they, mean, uh, they had a, they had a bigger advantage anyway. It's not like that was a five point swing or a six point swing or anything like that. So it's, it's hard to argue to try and replay a game, not to mention you, you now are, if you do that, you now have to go back to the end of the season and say, Hmm, where can we fit this game in for both teams? I mean, that is just not worth the effort. Yep. And, uh, you know, like you mentioned, uh, there are going to be some consequences for the referees. They did say that, the, you know, those, those two referees would be, um, you know, penalized. And then As also they should that, be. Yeah. And, and the competition committee is going to make sure that to look at this and make sure that this kind of situation doesn't happen in the future between any other NBA teams. So, so, but like, like, like we both agree there, you know, the NBA shouldn't have, have ri- overturned the decision of the win or made these two teams play based on a, a play that happened, you know, with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. And, and, and again, that you said, you know, the Rockets had a pretty good lead, a comfortable lead. And like uh, Commissioner Silver said, they could have, um, they had sufficient time to overcome their error, the error of the NBA. All right, so Ben, let's move on from that game. So it is a win for the Spurs, uh, you know, on, on the uh, schedule. And uh, now let's talk about DeJounte Murray. Apparently his, um, he's finally off of his minutes restriction uh, per Coach Pop. Uh, he, he addressed the media recently this week, and uh, he basically said to um, the media, but I, I'm taking this quote from R.J. Marquez of KSAT, uh, a friend of the podcast. Um, Pop says, uh, as far as I'm concerned, nobody scolded me or anything like that afterwards. So I think we're good. When he was, when he was asked about DeJounte playing 30, a, a season-high 32 minutes the other night in the, in the win against Sacramento where DeJounte, uh, I think he was the one who hit, who hit the game-winning, not, not game-winning jumper, but, you know, the last bucket for the Spurs. He had yes. a mid-range jumper. So, so yeah, so uh, we saw DeJounte play a lot of minutes there in Sacramento. After the game, I was there, and, and you know, we asked him, the, the, the media asked him, you know, you know did, were you aware that you were playing this much time? He's like, no. He's like, it kind of surprised me that, I was, that, he would keep, that, that Coach Pop kept me out there, but he goes, like I, I said, he said he felt good. Like he didn't really feel much about it. So it does seem now, by you know, per Dejounte's words and Coach Pop, that he's off this minutes restriction. What do you think this is going to do for the Spurs? You know, considering that he he's still kind of slowly um, getting more comf- comfortable with the second unit that where he's uh, he's coming off the bench right now. I think personally for Dejounte Murray, it's going to give him a lot of confidence. He can go out there and he can kind of. He's going to be able to go out and play, and he's not worried about, oh, are my, you know, are my four, my six minutes coming up? Am I going to be subbed out because of a restriction? You know, if anything, you're going to get subbed out because they're going to give you some, you know, natural rest throughout a game, or you made a dumb turnover, or whatever. It's going to be, you know, basically one of those two reasons now, which is fine, which is how a normal game works. I think he's going to, he's going to come out and play with more confidence. I think this team is going to come out play better together because now they're not worried about, okay, how much longer do we have DeJounte on the floor? Yeah. You know, are we going to have to, is someone going to come in or, and are we going to have to, you know, pick up some of the slack for them on the defensive or the offensive end of the floor? Mm-hmm. So I think that helps too. I think it just makes, it's going to make a lot of guys on this team more comfortable. And once guys get more comfortable, they're probably going to play better. And I also think it's going to do wonders for the defensive end of the court for this Spurs team. 
Yeah, and and one thing I'm I'm really eager to see now is if Pop's not as hesitant to put the uh, Derek White Dejounte combo out there, the, the two of them together at different times in games. Because I know because of the um, yes. minutes restriction, he's basically said, you know, you know, I I, I basically bring in Derek whenever Dejounte's ready to come out, or I take out, you know, th- that kind of swap basically for the two players. Well, now I mean we have seen small little. Um, data of them actually playing together at different times, like in random situations where they need a, a stop or something. But like now we might actually see this for a few minutes, a few possessions in a row now, plus those two with Lonnie Walker, who's starting to get a regular role now off the bench. We, we've seen that Lonnie's become the, um, the backup small four now to DeRozan. That's kind of been a thing now the last two games. And so obviously, you know, there's a chance now we could see all three of those players manning the, the, the wing positions, the, the point guard, the shooting guard and the small forward position uh, alongside, you know, whoever else is out there. So that's a really, really, you know, in terms of that promising young talent that has so much potential defensively to really take this team to a different level. Uh, that's that that's something that's promising to see. But now we got to see, obviously, if Pop does make that kind of switch and starts um, putting DeJounte and Derek together at, at different times, or if he continues to kind of swap them out when one's kind of playing well or when, when one's um, time in the rotation is up, uh, it's time to switch them out. So that's something I'm, I'm eager to see uh, now that this minutes restriction is um, lifted. The last thing we're going to address now is a rumor. Um, this is regarding um, Spurs assistant coach Becky Hammond. Uh, earlier this week, or last week, should I say, uh, the, the New York Knicks um, – of course, the Knicks, they fired their, their head coach, David Fisdale. You know, Pop, Pop basically defended him uh, in, in some of his early game comments the other day against Sacramento where Pop basically, you know, none, none of us, the media, even asked Pop the question, but he kind of just, like, wanted to talk about it. So he basically defended Fisdale, said that, you know, the team that he was, you know, the, the, the team that he, he had was not, you know, it was it was just not going to work out from the beginning. A lot of, um you know, data people, Vegas, a lot of people just knew this this is going to be a bad Knicks team. They're going to end up in the lottery again. And so they're putting this a lot of this on, on David Fisdale to have to, to work with, like, 15 power forwards and, like no point guards and you know you know the, the <laughs> roster assembly that they have there uh so it's anyway now um you know different names have been have been yeah it's not great so different names have been leaking out of, of who might potentially be the be the next head coach there well according to cn cnbc um um reporters uh reporter uh jabari young who used to work here uh here in san antonio at, at the for the athletic and the express news uh he's reporting that uh, Spurs assistant coach Becky Hammond uh, would be open to uh, you know possibility of of being the Knicks uh, coach if she were to get a long term deal looking at like four to five years that might be enough for her. But again, you know I haven't seen anything where the Knicks are actually you know offering her that kind of that kind of deal or even have any interest yet. But this is just more from Becky's side according to these rumors um, uh, uh, from 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 a Jabari sources. So what do you think about this uh, latest rumor that that if the Knicks offered the job and it was with long term security, Becky would would look at that job. First of all. With the New York Knicks, there is no such thing as long-term security. That is absolutely ridiculous. They they hired Fisdale on what a four-year contract. They hired they fired him before one and a half seasons. Wow. So, oh yeah, that's right. It was only one and a half. Yeah, that's the no said no there. such thing as long-term security with that team. That team is poorly run. It will always be poorly run as long as the owner stays the same. That's the reality. If if I am anyone in Becky Hammond's camp, I am telling her over and over again, it's a trap. Okay, because it is, and it doesn't matter what the Knicks offer you. They are lying. They will not give you long-term security. They will not give you a roster you can work with. Absolutely do not take that job. There is no reason she should take that job, especially because she is more than likely the heir apparent in San Antonio where they have been known to one, not only like their coaches or coach for the last two plus decades, but also give you players that you can work with. And don't sign boneheads and don't, you know, and don't give you players that are useless, basically. So I, I think if I'm Becky Hammond, I wait it out and I potentially become the head coach of the Spurs. Now, if there's another opening, 
there's another job that becomes open that's with a decent team or at least a front office that will hook you up with the necessities that are needed to be successful, go for it. Uh, if Just as much as, if not more than the next guy, I want Becky Hammond to be a head coach in the NBA. But more importantly than that, I want her to be a successful coach who mm-hmm. coaches for a long time. And if she takes the job with the Knicks, that will not be the case. And I think that sets that that sets her off on a bad on a bad path there because then you potentially become known as a coach who can't do anything with a roster or you don't develop talent or whatever you know, whatever whatever ridiculous notions people might get. So if I'm Becky Hammond, I do not take that New York job no matter what. Absolutely never, ever in a million years. Yeah, I agree there that I, I would, you know, if I, if I was right, I wouldn't take it. I mean, just like you said, there's no stability there. You know, that organization, you're going to walk into day one, they're going to expect you to win with that team. And, and then and then even like the summer, they stayed all their cap saves for the summer where they could wave a bunch of guys. And then you still, there's no free agents available. So yeah, you know, as as, as long as that management situation is there, I, I don't think it would be a, a, a good type of um, uh, maneuver for her. Maybe like you mentioned, you know, there's going to be other teams that are going to, that are going to um, you know, get interviews with her and things like that, like we've seen in the past. So, so there may be other opportunities, um, you know, that come along besides uh just the Knicks right now if that's even that if that's even an opportunity which which that hasn't really been reported as an opportunity for her just yet uh so um yeah so those are like the latest news and rumors uh, like I mentioned you know I'm not used to having to address those here here in the middle of the season but you know th- those are some some things going on about Spurs and then even more perfect is just de- the December 15th uh um trade deadline lifts for a bunch of players that signed into free agency so we're gonna might start seeing some rumors about maybe potential trades and things like that it might start coming out after December 15th this uh, weekend might get wild yeah so <laughs> we'll see what happens there all right Ben last thing uh the last thing I want to do is I want to I want to um spotlight one of the players uh for the Spurs a role player who, who hasn't really getting a lot of attention this year but he's, he's been playing really well i know that normally um you know a lot of spurs fans uh don't don't like this player because of his contract that the, the number the amount of money he makes but this year he's actually played really well for his position for his role um and that's patty mills you know he had a strong um, performance there in the um the, the feeble world cup you know with australia he came in ready ready from training camp uh, ready to go and he's kind of shown it he's only playing 23 23 minutes a night uh, he's, he's coming off the bench as, as a backup um point guard or even really shooting guard for, for what he plays uh on this spurs team and i mean He's fifth in scoring on the Spurs, 11.1 points per game, uh, 2.3 assists to, to one turnover, a low, low amount of turnovers for, for the p- possessions that he has the ball, shooting 46% from the floor, 42% from three. I mean, just you look at his offensive numbers across the board, just a lot of positivity everywhere. Uh, like just here's a random one and one percentage according to cleaning the glass. He's getting fouled on 42.9% or, or he's accounting for the, whatever that said is it's 42.9%, which is in the 88th percentile among point guards. Oh. Um, you know, when he's on the, when he's on the floor, the Spurs are a plus, plus 11.2 points per 100. I know a lot of that comes from playing against second units most of the time. Uh, but we've even seen, like, in some of these comebacks that he's been one of the guys that's been on the floor there in the last five minutes and even going into these overtimes because he's able to space the floor. He doesn't, you know, he, he's a low, he may not be able to create for you in, in, an, in a half-court possession, but he's at least able to do his job, kind of get get the get the offense flowing, facilitating, and then getting out of the way and, and just be ready to hit that spot of three or even making, like, a cut and finishing at the rim. Uh, and just his, his shooting numbers are just insane across the board. I mean, they're, they're just pluses everywhere uh, as a secondary creator. So let's first focus on his offense. Um, what have you thought about Patty's offense so far to start the year? It's been great. I mean, you can complain about his contract all you want, but you're you're worth what the market says you are. And that's what the market said he was worth when he signed his contract. So hashtag deal with it. But also, like you said, shooting numbers across the board, very good. I will say the one thing I'm disappointed in 
if there can be anything to be disappointed in, is uh, his free throw shooting numbers right now. Mm-hmm. He's never going to be a guy who creates a lot of free yeah, throws, he's... but he actually is averaging a career high in free throw attempts oh, per game. But he is shooting 78% from the line, whereas for the majority of his career, he's, well, for his career, he's an 84.5% free throw shooter. So mm-hmm. there are some, there are probably one or two points being left on the board for him, I would say. And um, I think in that regard, he can improve. But really, like you said, he's the perfect spot-up guy. He he can create a little bit if necessary. He's he's done – his numbers may not have been as good last year or the year before even because he was kind of playing out of his role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this year with DeJounte Murray back and with so many other guard options, he's playing more within his role, and that is spot-up shooter – kind of a guy who's who's a quick trigger can you know he'll shoot it in the mid-range if he has to yeah he's, um, he's good there that, too. right he'll mm-hmm. take that one quick dribble to the free throw line to pop and pop his shot but for the you know for the most part he's been a really nice player for the Spurs team so far he's been pretty consistent this year and I think that's one of the things you have to appreciate about his game because there are a lot of guys this year who have had major peaks and valleys throughout the season and Patty Mills isn't really one of those guys yeah, for sure. He's been probably one of, one of the more consistent Spurs, and you see that by his plus-minus uh, type numbers. So now let's go to the defensive end. And, and this is an area that I've been kind of monitoring all year, and I've been like, wait a minute, like, is that true? Is that, is that really there? So, like, one thing I, I started this year was the um, – following was the uh, the uh, the matchup data from NBA.com. We have that over on Project Spurs Premium. And Patty's actually been one of the really good defenders in terms of just, like, field goals made and field goals attempted against. Now, again, if you look at his matchups, he's not guarding the best players. We know he's guarding a lot of backup, you know, point guards, um, shooting guards, those kind of players. So That's it's true. not like it's like – you know, it's not like – it's like Kawhi or, or um, not, not Kawhi, like James Harden or Russell Westbrook or, you know, some of the, the top uh, players or, or, you know, uh, anyway, anyway, you just know who, you know what I mean by yeah. top point guards and shooting guards. Anyway, um, but like you look at his start, then I started noticing like his plus minus is really good. And again, it comes against a lot of second units. But again, for his role and for the position that he's playing and where he's playing in the in the lineups, he's been really good for the Spurs on defense. And that's usually a place that, where he usually gets knocked because of his size. Um, and, you know, because he, ha- he does have a lot of energy. But aside from that, you know, pe- uh, teams do like to hunt him in mismatches and things like that. But he's been he's been holding his own in, on defense this year. And, and then data shows it. So I want to kind of spotlight that and talk about it. Um, and steal percentage, he's at, he's uh, accounting for 1.6% of the, of the team's steals, uh, which is the 70th third percentile according to clean the glass he's not fouling a lot if there's one knock on him for sure it's the defense uh, i mean it's rebounding and on both ends but again he's he's six foot he's six foot you don't expect patty right to be one of your top rebounders uh, you know considering his size um well and they shouldn't considering the other people they have on this team to rebound the ball yeah for sure, for sure, yeah. You shouldn't expect him to be up there in, in the top, you know, percentile. Uh, when he's on the floor, um, defensively, the Spurs have are uh, they're holding teams to ten point six points per one hundred less. Uh, that's both, uh, yeah. So that that's overall. Uh, um, teams do shoot a little bit more, one point two percent more at the rim when he's on the court. They shoot less at the mid range. They shoot four point four percent more threes when he's on the court, but. Okay. Accuracy, accuracy from all three numbers is down. They're shooting 5.3% uh, worse at the rim. Again, part of that is that he plays a lot with Jakob Pertl, so Jakob takes up that part. They're shooting worse from mid-range and shooting worse from three. Uh, in the half court, they're, they're a minus 11.3 points for 100 of opposing teams. Um, and then he's also one of the players when he's on the court where teams actually aren't getting out in transition, and that's been a, an Achilles heel for the Spurs defense is that they miss a shot. 
uh, that we're, we're calling live rebounds, and, and then they, they don't get back. And that's mostly all the starters' minutes. That's where that data comes from is the starters are really terrible about getting back on defense. And that doesn't really happen with Patty in the second unit. Now, again, this is what I want to highlight, this primary matchup. When he, when he's when he, In 12.1 um, partial possessions per game, his primary matchup is only shooting 38% against him. Ooh. His secondary matchup in seven uh, possessions is only shooting 40% against him. And then Ooh. his third matchup uh, in 4.9 possessions is also only shooting 40% against him. Again, it, it, it's... I don't really like to rely on too much on matchup data, but right now this, I mean, it's been consistent all year that like the guys that he's guarding, they're not playing well against him. Obviously, you know, if the team gets a switch on him, like let's say he gets Anthony Davis matched up with him in the post, Anthony Davis is going is to score on him. That's easy to say. But when sure. it's somebody else like Alonzo Trier, right, of the Knicks, he, he's, he, Patty's going to defend him pretty well. And that's what it's showing here. And even a B-ball index, their, their perimeter defensive grade, they're giving him a B right now. And then oh. on interior defense, yeah, I know, a B, right, for, for Patty. That's, that's perimeter nice. Perimeter defense, yeah. And then interior defense, obviously, it's not his job, but it's a D plus, which is which isn't okay. an F where I would have thought he would have been. <laughs> so, uh, so what have, what have you thought about his defense? Just the fact that like the numbers are showing it. I think the eye test shows it that he's hustling. He's not missing his assignments as much as possible. If he gets buried under the rim as your last defender, he's going to get scored on. We just know that. But yeah. overall, I think he's been a, a, he's been pretty good on defense. What do you think? So. I'm going to throw out this totally meaningless number, but I love it anyway. He is averaging a career high in block percentage at 0. 0.6. Um, his previous career high, 0. 0.4. Um, but I just had to point that out because it was a defensive stat. And I thought it was hilarious. But um, defensively, yeah, he's, I mean, when that's, that's the key. When he doesn't get stuck underneath on a big man somehow, because that, that has been one of the problems for the Spurs team where, Guys will scramble. They they help off a guy, try and scramble to their guy. Have to scramble to another guy. Have to scramble to another guy, and everyone's kind of rotating and trying to scramble to someone else's person. Um, a lot of times they end up with bad mismatches that way, and Patty Mills ends up on those post ups or you know stuck behind a big man and he can't get out to his guy. So I, I would say you know those are probably the biggest issue. But like you said, that does that's not happening that often because he's running around where he needs to. And it's to to be fair. While yes, he should be hustling back in transition, and he, he should be, you know, stopping guys in transition, which is really any any a basic thing that defenders should be doing. You know, the first unit doesn't do that because the first unit has a couple of slow guys who, yeah. who kind of kill the perimeter players because you have an, an a Lamarcus Aldridge who doesn't get back all the time. So you don't really have anyone at the rim to protect, to protect behind their guards when they inevitably get beat off a dribble or something. So I think that hurts a lot too. But again, Patty Mills is playing on the second unit. Mm -hmm. The second units for teams generally don't have as many explosive guys who can do that and who will mess with your rhythm. And like you said, Jakob Pertl and Patty Mills play a lot together. And Jakob Pertl is really good about getting back and getting in position. To help yeah. out. So I think that plays a part of it as well. And really, I just want an opportunity to shed some light on Block and Pertle because that's my guy. But <laughs> I, I do, I really do like what I've seen from Patty Mills this year. I like, uh, like you said, his effort, his hustle, his his ability to knock down sh shots as a spot up shooter. And I'll say this: he's he's doing, he's having one of his better years. I think it, as it stands now, it's his third best year in his career of turnover percentage. He's down to 10.2 with his best two years coming back to back in the 2013-14 season and the 14-15 season with San Antonio. Those were 8.2 and 9.0 respectively. 
So I'd say when he does have the ball in his hand, he is taking care of it pretty well. Yeah, and like uh, I think something else too is is the personnel is different. Kind of like you mentioned this year, you know, he's getting to play more of the shooting guard role off the bench as a secondary creator. You know, like I mentioned, if if he's your main backup point guard, that's not that's not very good. But when he's your, when he's your like your backup your backup two, and there's not like you know, and you're playing against other backup twos and stuff, they, they're not really gonna gonna hunt him as a mismatch. And so you see that that it's working out defensively because I think he has he's always gonna have a strong defender by him because he's been playing alongside either either Derek White in the beginning of the season as as your main point guard or Dejounte Murray now that he got sent to the bench. So again, he's been he's been by two strong defensive players. So, uh, and then he also has has as you know, unfortunate to say it, a, a weaker defender in Marco, who's been playing most of the minutes before Lonnie and, and uh, started getting these minutes. But Marco had basically been the guy next to him. So teams were at least hunting Marco more so than and, and Marco's data doesn't look very good compared to Patty's when I talk about the um, the miss the the, 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 um, the matchup data. Yeah, that's you know that that's struggling you, there. You probably so. <laughs> could have stopped that sentence before yeah. compared to. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, it would have been accurate. So, my thing is like he has a strong help side, to, you know. He has a strong defender on, on one wing, and then he has obviously a player that that that, that the other def, def teams are going to hunt more so in mismatches, which is Marco. They're going to they're going to target him before Patty most of the time is, is what is what I'm seeing is what I can equate to this. And so he, that's why I think that that the numbers do look a lot better for him this year. You know, just just any of those second units right now has played really well for the Spurs. Uh, and so a lot of the players, Jakob, um, even Marco has good plus minus, but I don't like to trust just plus minus because again we we have to see the eye test. And so like I mentioned, you know, just the fact that he has Derek or uh, Dejounte back there with him it has been really strong, and, and I'm trying to uh, look it up real quick for last season. But I want to say that the second unit was a uh, Patty Marco last year. Um, I'm just looking it up real quick. Okay, it was it was Patty Marco, and that was kind of it really when the one and two. So so that's the thing is like they've gotten Dejounte plus. It's almost like they've they've either gotten like an extra Dejounte or Derek White kind of out there on the second unit, and that's kind of what's helped is that, is the fact that you have two you have one of of those two options as a strong defender. Um, now that Dejounte Murray is healthy and playing again, they didn't have that last year because Derek White would either start and then Patty would kind of come in. So I think that's why his numbers look a lot better this year, and, and why even like the eye test shows that you know he's not getting he's not getting he's not getting um, you know targeted in mismatches as, as much as as you would have saw last year. So I think I think again that's why a lot of these numbers look very well for Patty. And so for this year with the makeup of this team, he's playing really well. Uh, right now and this is just an interesting stat so i looked up the the um i, I put into the nbas.com's um, data log you know players that are, have played at least 20 games are playing less than 24 minutes and scoring at least 11 points per game and there's only four players right now jordan clarkson rudy gay cody zeller and patty mills that's it so basically when we're looking at patty's production in terms of points and scoring and the limited minutes uh there's only four players doing what he's doing and guess what all three of those other players I named, they're all making more money than him this season. So, so I mean, that's that, that's another way you can look at it if you if you wanted to. Take that for data. <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, yeah, but I mean, there, there's obviously no. I don't want to get too much in the contract stuff because then, uh, <laughs> you know, fans could easily find some other players who are making less money and putting away more stats than Patty. But again, you know, I don't want to focus too much on, on the financial part, but I just want to kind of highlight Patty's play because I mean, he's played well. You've seen it. You know, Pop's kind of rewarding with playing time and and he's trusted him out there in crunch time. And, and so you see it. Uh, the fact that he's coming through for the Spurs, it, it's obviously early in. The season uh, only um, only over twenty games, but again, you know, I, just, I do want to kind of acknowledge that that he's played well for this for this team so far this year. All right, Ben, let's go ahead and uh, close this out this episode. Um, before I close out this episode, I want to remind you all to visit ProjectSpurs.com. Uh, Stephen Anderson continues to keep you updated with analysis after each game, and this week. Uh, on the latest video takeover show with Joe Garcia, Stevens join, uh, joins him and they discuss the Kings game in detail. Ben, uh, since you're here on the Spurs cast, go ahead and please um, discuss your latest uh, uh, prospect watch over um, Memphis player. Uh, let me let me try to say this correctly. Precious Achiwa. Oh Achiwa? Achiwa. Achiwa. Ah, I was so close. Okay. Like you're anyway, chewing go on ahead and, uh, food. 
<laughs> okay, like chewing up food. All right, go there ahead and uh, go. give the give the listeners a, a preview of what that's about. So Memphis forward, Precious Achua, 6'9", 225, probably falls in the late lottery, mid-first round range right now. Um, where the Spurs are picking, I think they're projected 11th right now, so he's a bit of a reach for them there. But he is super athletic. He's got a great motor. He's a guy who's who always finds himself in the right spot at the right time as far as rebounding goes. And over the next couple of games, he has a really good opportunity to really star for this Memphis team with James Wiseman out, who is projected to be top three, if not the top pick in this draft. So he can kind of say, I'm not just a sidekick. I'm the real deal. This is his chance to do so. But uh, the one thing that does concern me is his shooting form, which is very mechanical, low release point, like out in front of his head kind of thing. Mm -hmm. A little scary, really. And that's why his free throw numbers are not great, Bob. But um, nice, nice player. The athleticism and kind of the prototypical body you want to see in today's NBA wing. Oh, okay, so yeah, so Spurs Cast listeners, go to projectspurs.com, look up the Ben's latest prospect watch. It went up on, um, what's it, Tuesday? Yeah, so it went up on Tuesday if you want to check it out over, uh, over Precious Chua. Yeah, there we go. Nice. Memphis. Okay. Also, be sure to uh, check out the Project Spurs premium pages if you, don't, if you haven't done so yet. Uh, new information, of course, is uploaded uh, after each game. Uh, and then, uh, as always, uh, thank you to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode for us. Uh, be sure to follow Ben on Twitter at the underscore Boomstein. Again, that's at the underscore Boomstein if you're on Twitter. Uh, For Benjamin Bornstein, I am Paul Garcia. Thank you and have a great day. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.